Thank you for listening to episode two of the epilogue. I'm Joe Guarneri. I'm really excited about the author and the novel we're going to be talking about today, which is Evan Dara's 2013 novel, Flea. Evan Dara is an American author of four books, The Lost Scrapbook, which came out in 1995, The Easy Chain, which came out in 2008, Flea, which came out in 2013, and Permanent Earthquake, which came out in 2021. He is notoriously reclusive and anonymous even, perhaps even more than someone like Thomas Pynchon. The name Evandara is a pen name. We don't have any pictures of him. We don't have any interviews with him. His work is published through his own publishing house called Aurora. And the only record of correspondence between him and any major author or critic is with Stephen Moore, who's the leading expert on William Gaddis, who I talked about briefly during the previous episode. Evan Dara is often lumped in with the other postmodernists like David Foster Wallace and Thomas Pynchon for obvious reasons. His books are experimental in structure and in format. They are fairly long. They feature experimental techniques like unattributed dialogue, and he will often sideline any sense of plot or narrative to discuss some larger point. For Dara, that's ecology or social change. He's very fond of those two particular topics, which we'll get in today. Personally, I'd almost place him as coming after the postmodernists and into whatever we're calling the following period. I've seen post-postmodernism floated around the internet and scholarly work and literary criticism. I say this because Dara's work uses any of the techniques of the postmoderns, but his usage of them is updated to fit the modern world. His work also resembles what some have in recent years begun to call hysterical realism in the sense that the absurdity and, of course, hysteria common to his novels is purposeful, yet it's not out of the, the realm of possibility at all. I'd also argue that his novels can be seen as a reaction to postmodernism rather than an extension of it, whereas postmodernism often sought to confuse and bewilder in order to display the absurdity of the 20th century Dara's work, even though it is experimental, uses fragmentation and other techniques like that to make sense of the world. So if the postmodernists felt that the world was too absurd and complex to depict comprehensively or in any real, quote, real fashion, Dara's sentiment is that the chaotic 21st century deserves to be delineated and understood. I first read Dara a few years ago with The Easy Chain, 
which is a novel about a young European man who comes over to the U.S. to study at the University of Chicago and ends up rapidly climbing Chicago's social hierarchy. It's told primarily in dialogue with unknown individuals talking about him. The language is very updated. It's this kind of relaxed colloquial language and flea uses that same technique but this time with the city which is a fictionalized burlington vermont as its subject of interest so flea follows the collapse of this fictional college town called anderberg after the closing of Pitkinson University, which seems to be a stand-in for the University of Vermont. The book takes place, uh, it seems, shortly after the 2008 financial collapse, and along with the expected commentary on the economic effects of that, offers a sprawling look at the psychological effects of that period of American life. I am a huge admirer of Dara's work because it feels very modern. It feels very of our time. The language is colloquial while still being beautiful. The characters seem to exude a lot of the anxiety and malaise that's common in many areas of our world today. And Dara seems to capture better than any writer of our time that I've read the underlying yet unspoken feelings associated with living in the 21st century. He depicts what it's like to thrive and to suffer in the 2010s and now the 2020s, and the very thin line that tends to separate both. I felt this way even, even more after reading Flea than I did reading his other works, which we'll get into. The narrative of Flea is split in two, and these two sides eventually run into one another. On one hand, you have this sprawling look at the many citizens of the town. You get these small snippets or snapshots of dialogue. You don't know who is speaking except for maybe four or five characters, and honestly, it doesn't matter. You're supposed to take in this sweeping look at how the townspeople are reacting to the town's collapse. Imagine a huge teleporting boom mic hovering over the city. In one instant, it's capturing a family's serious living room discussion, and just an instant later, it's capturing the barroom talk of some senior individuals in the town. These sections of the novel are the most fun and the most telling. On the other hand, you have the book's only semblance of a plot, as much plot as you can get in a Dara novel, of course. You have Rick, a delusional aspiring engineer, and you have Carol, who is also delusional, and they have fallen in love and decided to start an employment agency. So yes, an employment agency in a town where the citizens are leaving en masse and all of the businesses of the town are shutting down. 
absolutely delusional. So eventually a character from the former narrative is revealed to have some history with Carol, essentially joining the two halves of the novel, which interestingly are printed in two different fonts. So even though the narrative seems all over the place, at the very least, you have the fonts to help you differentiate which half of the book you're currently reading. With all of this aside, the most important parts of the book to me are the qualities of American life and the American experience that Dara is trying to illuminate through all of this. The collapse of the town, the people's reaction to that collapse are all just a backdrop in my interpretation of the book. So I'm going to go through the qualities that stood out the most to me. So the first is this sense of impermanence that I've always kind of felt was very common in our time, which because of the digitization of our world, ideas and people and art and so much more is so easily lost and gone forever, washed away in the flood of every day. So here's a passage from the novel. Marcus puts down his glass. You know, there's this big discussion about like, what it means to be French, to be a French person, he says. No, Gustave says. Well, there is. And the consensus is that to be a French person means to speak French, to have that as your mother tongue. So, Brie says, to be an A-Bergian, to be an A-Bergian means to leave A-Berg, Gustave says. You got that right, he says. Exactly, Gustave says. As always, the goal is the journey. Brice shifts a leg. Aberg man, says, a city like the future. Hmm, Arcus says. Soon as you get to it, it ceases to exist. This to me seemed like a comment from Dara on how easily you can lose the smaller parts of life. Because if you can lose something as large as a city, what else can you lose? What about the tiny parts of life that only mean something to you or to a small group of people? Those things essentially have no shot in today's world. If an entire city with a history and a collection of unique identities can disappear seemingly overnight. I think it also says a lot about the things we work towards in today's world the passage especially, soon as you get to it, it ceases to exist. I think that can apply to a lot of the things we do in life, whether that's career-related or personal improvement-related. Because we are so pressured to do so many different things at the same time or before a certain age, we, we lose sight of what's important. And eventually we have to go through the tragedy of realizing that some things we do for no reason or some things we do only to have them be forgotten. Here's one more passage on this point. 
But then, you know, the question becomes, what else do I see or not see? What gets through? And if I do not see something, do I also in some way see it? And when I see whatever, what the hell am I not seeing? Where does it go? Does that determine my fate, even by definition? My not seeing, my not seeing? Another quality of contemporary American life that I feel Dara displays masterfully in this book is the almost innate need to run away from one's home. The overwhelming desire to get away from what has been familiar. Um, And this is usually something seen in college age, I would even say high school or college age individuals. And of course, this feeling is present in every era of American life, I would imagine. But I've always felt it incredibly strongly in my own generation. And I'm 29, so that would be generation Y. Um, So here's a, a passage from the novel on this. I must run so as not to be run from. I must leave before the will for leaving leaves me. I go to keep my kaleidoscope alive, filled with drenched and fragrant pains, and not faded into compensations, and not distanced in frames. But enough. The spiral swells. The more I say, the more I see I have more to say. If I do not go now, I will be submerged in useless meanings. I will never be able to outrun the words. So in just a few sentences, Dara reveals so much about the modern American psyche. Not only this underlying need to run in search of some sort of personal growth or even spiritual growth, but the impulse to do so almost precipitously out of fear. That is, the fear that you'll lose the motivation to run and someone will beat you to it. And I think for my generation, so much of this is related to this feeling that we have of being just a number in our ever quantifying culture. And I believe that this is something Dara has realized about us. So here's one more passage. And if I were to go, who would notice? Who would care? What difference would it make? That's why I must go. Why I must leave this city. Be rid of it. To leave a place where my leaving would not be noticed. To no longer stay where I would not, I do not care if I go. So moving on just a bit, I want to talk about the environmentalism within Flea. So Dara's work is very much focused on environmentalism, economics, ecology, and the relationship between the three. In Flea, 
he uses the 2008 crash and the collapse of this fictionalized Burlington as sort of a metaphor for cleansing, both economic and environmental. So for the former, more particularly, that there might be something good beyond the despair and destruction of the 2008 collapse. A very subtle possibility that when the dust settles and you're on your feet again, you might thrive a bit more. You may find in life something you previously missed. And the same goes for the latter, the environmental commentary of the book, that after the collapse, there may be something within nature or something like that that will spring out of the chaos. So here's a passage that I believe captures all of this. So I'm just going to lie down on College Street, just lay myself full long down on the pavement and let them all run right over me, just getting where they're going as quick as they can and don't even look down. And then, maybe, if I have the guts, if I have the will, maybe I can contort my body in such a way that the tread marks, the grooves and gullies of their getting away that slit right through my skin, that score my flesh, my face, my chest, my legs, my shins, maybe I can make the notched marks into something beautiful. And here's one more passage from the Rick and Carol part of the book. Besides, I thought you said you like change, she says, that it's the way of the world. Discontinuous functions, rupture as the seedbed of revelation, all that. This would be a massive act of opening up to the new, to the good, as you put it. Subject A would really become the first in a new sequence. So as we've seen, there's a weird optimism throughout the novel, conveyed even through the sense of decay that surrounds the book and the feelings of anxiety that surround the narrative. So even with the overarching commentary on collapse, economics, and ecology, Flea still is a heartfelt, human-centered book. And there's just a, a beautiful dream sequence um, about halfway through that I want to read um, because it concerns this person-centered approach to these huge topics. And in my dreams now, again last night, a shower still running, a PC mouse single-clicked, a half-consumed bowl of blueberries. I am near Mount Vesuvius, and I see the eruption in the distance. I see the sun tide coming, flooding, slaloming, slurping at the sides of the mountain. And I stand and open my arms, and I welcome the churning, scalding tsunami embrace. For the characters in the book and for Dara, 
I think the optimism here, the desire to get through catastrophe is linked to progress and linked to this need to leave something positive behind. And this is displayed through the character of Carol, who at the end of the book, you realize is doing everything she's doing because she wants children and her biological clock is very quickly running out amidst of all this collapse. So here's a, a quote from her towards the, the very end of the book. Carol looks down, nods to herself. What can I tell you, she says. Hate me, okay? I like, I just want to leave something behind, okay? Something that might do better than we're doing, than I'm doing. Anything wrong with that? So while the, the book is often described as a book about collapse and decay, I think a closer analysis of it reveals that it's truly a book about progress also. The ending of the book could have shown an empty wasteland of a town, but it doesn't. It shows a slow repopulation of optimistic, hopeful people. The book's chapters are titled only with numbers. So the first one is 38,839. Eventually, you reach 300 as the book goes on. It took me about 20 pages or so to realize that the chapters were the current population for the town. Throughout the book, the numbers decrease until the end, and then they begin to increase because the city has been cleansed. It's been overwritten, and it has begun to grow anew. The way that Dara ties all of this together is truly masterful. This is absolutely a book you want to read if you're into experimental literature. And if you aren't, I think this is a great jumping in point to the experimental genre because the book is, again, fragmented. Its style is of the postmodern-ish avant-garde, but it's still an enjoyable read. It's easy to understand what's going on, and you can get lost in this beautiful yet still colloquial language. And you'll probably find within the book a lot of things you are seeing within your own community. And so I highly recommend Evandara's Flea. Before I start to wrap up today, um, I just wanted to say a huge thank you to all who tuned in to episode one. I had listeners from all over the world, from North America to Asia to Europe, and for me, that is an absolute honor. I hope that you got something out of that episode and also 
this episode. Um, I have a ton planned for the future of this podcast. I plan to read everything from the experimental books we've been talking about and also the classics of Western literature. So if you are enjoying everything so far, feel free to subscribe. I am always open to feedback as well. You can uh, contact me via Twitter at Joseph Guar. And thank you again for listening. And we are going to wrap up with Evan Dara's novel Flea. Again, if you haven't read this one, pick it up. It's, it's incredible. And I strongly recommend his other works. Um, especially the easy chain. Um, But I do think that Flea is probably the best work of Dara to begin with. So that's going to do it for today, discussing Evan Dara's 2013 novel Flea. Thanks again for tuning in, and I hope to see you around for next episode. Thank you.